Lauren and Dan Binstock, thank you for these wonderful presentations. On behalf of all of us, I'm sure you'll join Elaine and myself in sending our prayers and our best wishes to Chief Rabbi Mervis for the speedy recovery of his father and Rufor Karovolavo. May Hashem send a speedy healing to him and good news to the Mervis family. Uh, let me uh, congratulate, first of all, Matthew Miller of Corin and Mugid, who has uh, achieved this extraordinary um, uh, publication in only seven years of, of the uh, Noe edition of the Talmud Bavli and has transformed the face of Jewish publishing. This is really an extraordinary achievement, Matthew, and please send congratulations to the entire incredible team that you've assembled and you really have done great things. Uh, I want to say to Harav uh, Meni, Evan Yisrael, how humbled we are by the extraordinary achievement of his father, Harav Adin Steinsaltz, and the great way that he himself is continuing this work. The Steinsaltz Gemara is one of the real spiritual masterworks of our age, and indeed of any age, and we are privileged to have lived in the time of Rav Steinzeltz, and please commend to him our deep indebtedness. Thirdly, of course, um, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, we thank the Kinlos community for hosting this, to Rabbi Lawrence, Rabbi Leitner, President of the United Synagogue, Michael Goldstein, and thank you for all you do for the community. Nachron Chaviv, to Leo and Susan Noe. Friends, uh, we had the privilege, Elaine and myself, of being with, with Leo and Susan on Cholomoyed Sukkot for the opening of an extraordinary institution they've created in B'nai Brak, a, a vast educational center for the organization Ale, which deals with badly brain-damaged children, and where Susan dedicated a Sefer Torah in the memory of her late parents. And what you have done there, I just, it brought tears to our eyes. Oh, you can't hear. You don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> that event, seeing what you've created in LA and B'nai Brak, was just extraordinary. It was an act of chesed, the like of which, you know, we, we just humbled by. And now to join that to this incredible project, the whole Noe edition of the Koran Talmud Bavli. It's, it's, it's philanthropy, tzedakah, chesed, on a truly uh, epic scale. There's, the, the Gemarian Kedushin ends with this debate, which is greater, Talmud or Ma'aseh, is learning or doing greater. And of course, Rabbi Akiva resolves the whole issue by saying, Gadol ha-Talmud, talmud Greater is Talmud because Talmud leads to doing. You have embodied that principle. You have valued learning and you have learnt, but you have shown how learning leads to doing and what Torah Chesed, the law of loving kindness, actually looks like in real life. You are embodiments of that value. And therefore I say to you, Leo and Susan, you are a Kiddush Hashem and we salute you and we thank you.
Friends, um, one of the things that uh, I've been involved with, uh, in, with uh, Matthew Miller and Corin, has emerged from what Elaine and I discovered as we have traveled the Jewish world these past few years. And we have discovered that the deepest spiritual challenge facing Jews today is tefillah, is prayer. Wherever we go, people say, how do we get more inspired by prayer? And um, one of the reasons that prayer is difficult is people don't understand the tefillah. They don't understand the prayers. That's why we did the machzarim and the commentaries. But another reason is that people don't understand what prayer is as such. What are we doing when we pray? And I want in the next 15 minutes to take a little journey with you, showing how one little sentence in the Gemara that is actually about something else completely can transform our understanding of what it is when we daven. And let's begin with the statement itself, and it's on the bottom of the page. Um, can you see on page 18? It's an amazing statement. If um, you do nothing but say Kriyashma every morning and every night, Kiem Lo Yamush, you have fulfilled the line that says, Lo Yamush Seva Torah Zemipicha Vagita Bo Yamam Valaila, let this Sefer Torah not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate in it day and night. And we assume that means 24 hours a day or 16 hours a day. And Rabbi Yochanan and Shimon Bar Yochai, these are not nobodies. Rabbi Yochanan was the putative author of the Talmud Yerushalmi. And Shimon Bar Yochai was the greatest mystic of the whole Tanaitic of the whole rabbinic era. These are major statements, major, major heroes of the spirit. And yet they say, if you only said Kriyashma morning and night, you fulfill the thing, don't stop learning. But they add a little proviso. They say... But don't tell an Amharitz that. Or they'll never learn. They'll just say Krishna morning and evening. So don't tell them. And along comes Lauren's favorite, Rava, and says, But Rava says, It's a mitzvah to tell her an Amharitz that. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, both of whom are absolute perfectionists when it comes to Torah, they believe that you really should spend 16 hours a day learning Torah, nothing else. But Rava, who, as we've seen, as Lauren showed us, have a developmental approach to education, wants to raise somebody's self-esteem. Don't write yourself off. If you do nothing more than Kriyashma morning and evening, you have still fulfilled that mitzvah, and then you've got them on board, you've given them self-esteem, and Rava relies on the dynamics of the teaching process that they will grow, okay? That is an interesting thing. Shimon Bar-Yochai is a, a bit of a Litvak in this, and Rava is a bit of a Chabadnik. <laughs> Combine the two, you can't go wrong, I promise you. Um, but there it is. That's the statement. That's Gemara Menachos. Now, I am not going to take that statement any further. I am just going to ask you one very simple question, which is, 
Um, which is, what, according to this Gemara, are we doing when we say Kriya Shema? Are you with me? Because according to this Gemara, what we are not doing is davening. We're not being mitpalel. What we are doing is Talmud Torah. We're learning Torah. That's exactly what they say. All you have to do is say Kriya Shema morning and evening, and you fulfill the mitzvah of learning Torah morning and night. They hold that Kriya Shema isn't prayer at all. It's a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Right? It's a mitzvah of learning Torah. That's what Kriya Shema is. And I want us to stay with that because we will find that an absolutely revolutionary proposition. Now, let me ask you the question. The question is simple. For the whole of the biblical era, at least most of the biblical era, what was Avodat Hashem? What was it to serve God? The answer was Avodat Hashem took place in the temple. It was officiated over by priests and it took the form of sacrifices. That's what it was. It was central to Judaism. What happened? With Chorban Abayit, what happened, especially with the destruction of the second temple, what was going to replace Jerusalem, the temple, the priesthood, and the sacrifices? We know that the sages came up with a number of theories on this, a number of them, but two in particular. And you will find the two here on the next page, on page 19. Can you see? Page 19. Itmar, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Hanina, Oma, Tfilas, Ovos, Tiknum, Rabbi Yoshua, Ben Levi, Oma, Tfilas, Keneged, Tmidim, Tiknum. Rabbi Yoshua, Ben Levi, who lived in Lud in the third century, was the head of the town, tells us that the substitute for sacrifices was prayer. Shachrit replaced the Tamichel Boker, the morning sacrifice. Mincha replaced the Tamichel Ben Habayim, the afternoon sacrifice. Mariv was Hector Chalavim Vavarim. And Musaf was the special sacrifice offered on Shabbos and Holy Days. So prayer sacrifices were substituted for by prayer. However, that was only one line of thought. Let's have a look in Source 3 in Menachas, Amar Reish Lokish, Reish Lokish who was, of course, the learning partner of Rabbi Yochanan, a Balchuva, This is the Torah for a burnt offering, a meal offering, a sin offering, and a guilt offering. He dis- dissects that in two and says, Zota Torah, that's the Torah, and that is the equivalent of all those different offerings, from which he inclu- concludes, Ki ilu hikriv ola, uh, Whoever learns Torah is as if he brought those sacrifices. Have a look in Source 4. Omer Rabbi Shmuel, Gadol Talmud Torah, Yosemi Kravas to meet him. Learning Torah is even greater than offering sacrifices. Now we have here two different routes. Point two. We have here two different roads offered up, opened up by the sages. When the temple was destroyed, what replaced sacrifices as a way of serving God? Route one was tefillah, prayer. Route two was Talmud Torah, learning. And we see both of those represented in the Gemara. And of course, they had different homes. Prayer belonged to the Beit Knesset. And learning belonged to the Beit Midrash. 
So these two activities were different activities, one of the heart, one of the head. They had different homes, but, and those were the two roads opened up. And they're different worlds, they're different phenomenologies. Now, point three, tell me, what is the difference between prayer and study? In prayer, we speak to God, right? Please give us knowledge, forgive us, heal us. We are talking to God. In prayer, we are talking to God. In study, what is happening? God is talking to us. We're listening and we're listen, reading the Torah, God's words, Moshe Rabbeinu, or one of the commentaries. Halachic commentary, Agadic commentary, doesn't matter. In prayer, we are talking to God. In study, God is talking to us. Or to put it the other way around, in prayer is an act of speaking. Study is an act of listening. That is the difference between those two, and that is point three. Point four. Let us have a look at something that happens in the Siddur. Can you see this right at the beginning? What do they call it now, the the late arrivals in Shul? JFK, just for Kiddush, I think it's called. (laughs) So if you're you're just for Kiddush, you would have missed this bit because it's right at the very beginning. But you see, right at the beginning, before we do the Birkot HaShachah, before we do the dawn blessings, we make brachas with the Torah. And then what do we do? You remember what Lauren told us just now. A person has to divide his learning, or her learning, sorry, Lauren, into three. Mikra, Mishnah, and Gemara. That is a universally accepted principle. How that works out in practice, you've already indicated the Balei Tosavot say one way and so on. But the truth is, uh, it is universally agreed that you have to divide your learning into three. Mikra, Torah, Bible, uh, etc. Mishnah, and uh, Gemara. Now have a look at that page. Can you see it on page, the source five on page 20? Yeah? That's what we say immediately after the blessings of the Torah. Can you see what's happening in that passage? And a precise three-stage learning. Yivarecha Hashem v'yishmarecha, the priestly blessings from Parshas Naso. Then Elo Devarim She'en Lahem Shio. These are the things that have no fixed measure. That's a Mishnah, Peah, chapter 1, paragraph 1. And then Elo Devarim She'adam Ochel Peresem Be'olam Azeh. That's a Gemara from Shabbos stuff. Uh, page 127a. So you can see we begin before we even open our mouths in prayer. We begin with an active study precisely structured on the principle of dividing your time into three. Then we say the prayer, the Birkot HaShacha and the, um, and the various other prayers. And then what happens next? Have you got it? Number six? This is just before Mismo Sheikh Hanukkah Sabayz Ludovit, right? I, I don't know what page it is on the Siddha. Can you see what it says? Vaidabai Hashem el Moshe that is the Tamid Shel Boker, that is the passage of the 
morning sacrifice, then which is a chapter of of Mishnah. It's the Mishnah in, uh, in Zvachim chapter 5. So we have the first paragraph is Mikra from Numbers chapter 28. It's Parshish Pinchas. Then Mishnah. And then we have Rabbi Ishmael. And here we have to understand where is that from? Anyone know? That's from a halachic midrash on the book of Vayikra known as the Sifra, the Torah Kohanim. But you have to have a look. Have you got it there um, on page source 7? Yeah? Do you have this? Maimonides' Law of Torah Study? Where he brings this law. Right? Right? And then have a look. In the middle of that second line, you should understand the exegetical principles by which the Torah is expounded. Learning those exegetical principles is called Huhanikra Gemara. We nowadays only use the word Gemara to refer the, to the Talmud. But Maimonides tells us explicitly that any methodological study from, the, from that age is called Gemara. So we see that the beginning of Birkot HaShacha begins with a study session. Mikra, Mishnah, Gemara. The end of Birkot HaShacha end with a, a second study session structured on exactly those lines of Mikra, Mishnah, Gemara. Here we have a slight difference between Anglo Jewry and Eastern European Jewry um, as to how many korbonos you say. Have you had a look in the green sitter on the one hand, and if you have a look on the uh, East European sidurim, we, we, we have a, Matthew and I agree to differ on this one because the current sitter is an East European sitter. And you will see there are lots and lots and lots of carbonos. It's terrific. The only trouble is, it's wrong. I mean, I mean forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to sacrifice the sacrifices. The, the reason I say it's wrong is, uh, I had the great Zuchut to have a great grandfather who produced, who published the first printed edition of the first ever Siddur, which was the Siddur of Amram, produced in the 9th century. And you will see the Siddur of Amram and the Siddur of Sadyagan in the 10th century have it exactly as Minhaganglia has it. One very, very simple Mikra Mishnah Gemara. Okay? So that's the beginning. So now we are seeing something we didn't fully understand before, that we are learning even before we're praying, and we're learning after we're praying, and that all happens within the first few minutes of Shachrit. What about the end of Shachrit? Now here, the trouble is that we can't see the full building, because the building as it existed doesn't exist anymore. What we have at the end of davening on a, on a weekday shachris is, first of all, ashray. Then we have a psalm, lam And then we have uvolatzion. And then we have something, the kedusha. It's called the kedusha de sidra. It's, we say, kadosh, 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 and baruch, uh, uh, 
Kvod Hashem in Komel, but we say them with our Aramaic translations as well. And then we have a series of prayers culminating in a kind of concluding prayer, Yehira Tzomil Fonecha, etc., etc., Shenishmochu Kecha Be'olamazeh, etc., etc. It's unclear what that whole sequence is until we go back and discover what it was. Now, I'm not going to read the source to you. You see it in source 8. The source 8 tells you exactly what actually happened. It is from the Chuvas Rav Natronai Gaon, who was the Rosh Yeshiva in Surah in Babylon in the 9th century. And he explains something very fascinating that it was the absolute fixed custom that every single day at the end of davening they learned 10 verses of Nevi'im, of prophets. It's like a biblical Dafyomi or like 929, you know. They learned Nevi'im. And then, uh, and then um, they, went through, they went through it. And then after learning Nevi'im, he says they would either learn Mishnah or Gemara. Now, that whole custom has disappeared. We don't learn, I don't know any communities that learn those 10 verses of Nevi'im every single day. All that are left are these verses. Uvalatzion Goel, two verses on redemption from Isaiah chapter 59, and the two verses of Kedusha uh, from Isaiah one, uh, 6, and from Yechezkel, the two mystical visions in the prophetic books. But you will see that they were originally learned. They weren't just said, they were learned. And that is why the Targum is there. It doesn't appear anywhere else. Uh, whenever else we say Kedusha, we're, we're kind of praying it or we're re- referring to it. We're not actually learning it. And because at that point in Kedusha de Sedra, at the end of Davening, they actually learnt it, we retain the Targum because that's how they learnt something. They, they learnt it with its translation. So now we know the following, that just as every Davening begins with two different sessions of learning, so every session of Davening ended with a session of learning which included Nevi'im and included... Exactly on uh, Rava's principle that if a person preferred Mishnah, they learned Mishnah, and if they preferred Gemara, they did Gemara. That's according to Rav Natranai. So there was serious learning right at the beginning and the end of Dominic. The real question I am now going to ask, point number six, is what about <laughs> what is the Kriyat Shema doing in the middle of Dominic? What exactly is it doing? What, what? And I'll tell you exactly. Shema is there, not because it's a prayer. It isn't a prayer. In a prayer, we speak to God. Shema, in, when we say Shema Israel, are we speaking to God? God is speaking to us through Moshe Rabbeinu. Listen, O Israel, this is directed to us. This isn't directed to God. Shema, we are actually learning. And, what, and th- here's the proof, right? Can you see source 9 on page 22? Here's a Gemara in Brochus. Amar Avi Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Hishkim Lishnot. Achelo Karakriyat Shema Tzarech Levarech. If you get up early to learn and you haven't yet said Kriya Shema, you have to make a bracha, brachas over learning Torah. 
But if you've davened already, davened Shema in Shachris, you don't need to make a bracha. Because you have already said the bracha when you said Ava Rabba. Ava Rabba is the functional equivalent of a blessing over, over learning. The Gemara says so. It is a bracha al HaTorah. And that exempts you from saying the brachas over learning if you have said Avarama. So we now know what Shema is doing there and why specifically it is there before the Amida. It is there because first learn and then pray. That is what Chazal are telling us. But why? Surely... They're two different things. Learning and praying are two different things. They're two different kinds of mitzvahs. They're two different kinds of mental activity. What has learning got to do with praying? And the answer is this. When we pray, we are speaking to God. But when we learn, we are listening to God. And this is the fundamental point. Before we can ask God to listen to us, we have to show that we can listen to him. And that is what Krishna is doing. And now finally I come to point seven, my final point. We know that the Amida is called the Shemona Esra, which means 18. We also know if you count up the paragraphs, they come to 19. Which is the odd one out? Everyone says, Velamoshini. Everyone. Why? Because historically, it was the last of the paragraphs to be added. I'm not gonna, I don't have time to work out the analysis here. But if you actually look at those middle 13 brachot, one of them stands out and it's not Velamoshini. Every one of those brachot in the middle is a prayer for something, except one. Shema Kaleinu. Shema Kaleinu is the only paragraph that doesn't ask for anything in particular. It's a prayer about prayer. Shema Kaleinu. It's, you know, we've said lots of prayers, please listen to us. It's a meta prayer. So now you see the drama that is being set out in front of us. I think you can see it. If you can, can you just see it there on page 23? You see it? Second half of the page. Shachrit consists of two climaxes. One before the Amida, the other during the Amida. The one before the Amida consists of the words Shema Yisrael. The one in the middle of the reader consists of the words Shema Kaleinu. That is what the drama is about. We engage in an act of listening to God, Shema Yisrael, and then we say to God, we have listened to you, please listen to us, Shema Kaleinu. And that is the incredible tension and the creative tension. And that is what makes Jewish prayer unusual, and that's what makes Judaism unusual. 
That is how Chazal took the two things that they saw as the substitute for the sacrifices, praying and learning, and somehow they brought them together. And so they brought together learning and prayer. So they brought together mind and heart. So they brought together the divine word and the human word. So they brought together listening to God and speaking to God. And the Siddha is not so much just about speaking, it's also about listening as well. And that is why we have to say Shema Yisrael to ourselves before we can say Shema Kolenu to God. I hope that gives you an insight into prayer that you didn't see before. And it is a very, you know, let it mature because it's a really profound idea that Chazal gave. And all I can say, Leo and Susan, is that I've tried to show that study can be a form of prayer. And prayer itself is a form of study. You have made study possible for hundreds of thousands of people who could not have done it otherwise. In that reward, may all your prayers be answered. Amen. Amen.